Hey there, Chris here for the Let's Make a Better podcast. Just letting you know we got another great episode coming up, brought to you again by MarkAlewineMusic.com. MarkAlewineMusic.com. Find it for all of your audio needs and enjoyment needs. This week, uh, we have a pretty cool episode on, well, well, we're dealing with beer. Why not, right? It's beer 30. It's beer. It's five o'clock somewhere, I guess is what I'm trying to say. We talk about beer and why beer is maybe different than some of the other uh, alcoholic uh, beverages that we enjoy uh, once a month, right? Except for this month, because it's dry January, right? Nobody's nobody's partaken this month, right? Anyway, coming up this week is beer. We're also going to deal with the craziness going on out in Washington, D.C., and, you know, a few other oddities. Hey, go ahead and listen up, and make sure you subscribe at your podcast aggregator of choice. We're everywhere, Spotify, Apple, etc. But right now, here's Make It Better. Here's where we test the copyright rule. Here's our friend Lawrence Welk. Right here. Right here. Doing the beer barrel polka because this is the beer episode. And it is appropriate. I love even beer. Though, even though, you know, and here's the thing. I actually was thinking about doing Tom T. Hall and I Love Beer as the song to play here. But I thought, you know what? I don't think Lawrence Welk's going to come after me for copyright violation. What do you think? No, probably not at this point. I think that, um, yeah, he's he's got to be in the public domain at this point, isn't he? Well, it, if only you could see what I'm seeing, because I'm watching the I'm watching the YouTube version of this, and there are three very fine gentlemen in leisure suits, uh, rocking it, uh, ripping it up, uh, shredding with accordions. Oh yeah, and we got uh, we got a guy with a fantastic uh, um, uh, who's the guy who used to hit break watermelons with the sledgehammer why can't i remember his name right now yeah uh, gallagher gallagher we got it we got we got a guy with a gallagher uh hairdo and uh porn mustache back there playing the trumpet or the tuba excuse me and then yeah these three guys with uh, teal leisure suits and uh dancers it's fantastic if only you could see it the uh, my eyes i think are are uh, are going to be i'm going to have i'm going to have permanent retina damage from the teeth color it's so bright uh, I'm watching Lawrence Welk here. All right. That is Lawrence Welk. That is wow. great. That is uh, Beer Barrel Polka because this week's episode is going to be all about beer on the Make It Better podcast. And I can't think of a week that would be better ended with a beer focus uh, than this prior week. How are you doing, Bob? What are, what are we, seven days into the new year and I need a beer already. 
Yeah, I, this is the this is the karmic uh, fallacy of people who were thinking, boy, if only 2020 would be over. Uh, you know, it just the calendar really doesn't do much other than change the picture on your wall. It doesn't change the picture outside your window very much, does it? No, it really doesn't. And it, it seems like the crazy cycle has just gotten a little crazier. Oh, what a long week, right? I mean, we had a long summer, we had a long fall, we had a long spring. Uh, what a long week. Oh my God. And, it, and uh, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of worried about the week coming up. Um, I, like I said, it's, it's just getting crazier. I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Usually you can kind of see it. There's some foreshadowing going on, but there's just, there's nothing right now. And it's, it's been actually eerily quiet. I mean, you hear, you know, some, some gavels being banged here and there, but there's just not a lot happening. It's not wild and crazy in this moment, but I think it's going to take off and it's probably going to be an ugly ride for a bit. I would like to go publicly on the record right now of saying that uh, these are things that I don't own, nor do I have a way of acquiring. I do not own um, a set of horns or a buffalo vest, um, you know, with fur on it that I could buy and wear places. I, I don't own a large Confederate flag. Uh, I don't own, uh, you know, there's a whole lot of things I've seen in the news and on Twitter in the last week that I'm like, where did they buy that? Uh, does, does Amazon sell? Is that an Etsy purchase? Uh, did you make that yourself? Um, I'm I'm amazed by what I saw in the last week. Do, do you own any? Do you own anything that could be controversial if you wore it out? I mean, because I have owned a lot of flannel. That's about it. Yeah, I don't have any peaceful protest gear like these people do. I, did the guy kill his own buffalo? Is that what happened? I, I don't know where you get that. That's a good point. Because over the summer, um, what I learned here in Minneapolis anyway, um, there are people who have like tactical vests, but instead of bullets, you know, like bandoleros, they have like milk on them because apparently the tear gas, you have to pour milk in your eyes. And so they had people out on the street that had these tactical vests, vests that had like milk strapped to them like bandoleros across them. And then they also had things, I don't know, they had other stuff too, like band-aids and stuff too, like, like first aid people that were coordinating all these people on the street. And again, I'm like, where, where do you get that? Uh, it, it, you don't buy that at Shields uh, in my experience um, or Walmart. Uh, maybe you do, God, maybe you do. Uh, but I don't know. I'm, I'm amazed that people who show up so well prepared for these things. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I have noticed on Facebook, some of the ads coming up are for like, I'm a, a dark knight type person, you know, the, the hood with the long coat thing that's coming up in my ads. Why? I don't know, but uh, I do see that. That, that, that. That's disturbing. I think you maybe you know, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know if you're an Instagram user. I am. I'm confused. Here's the thing. I like woodworking and I like motorcycles. That's pretty much all I search. That's all I look at. Uh, I'm old. And uh, the crap that comes up in my Instagram search, I have no idea who they think I am. In fact, I saw another, uh, I'm not an influencer, but I saw another influencer, A, I should say, not another. I saw an influencer post a question about that same thing over the holiday break saying, well, apparently they know I'm a straight male. Uh, because all I'm getting is like dancing videos from from uh, from TikTok, and uh, you know I'm like, what what part of my uh, search history told you that this is what? Because it's strange. I'm seeing like 
people who are building really intricate boxes and um, in a, you know the you know motorcycle custom jobs and all of that, and then you know somebody doing a TikTok dance. I, I don't I don't get why they think that's in my wheelhouse. I don't get it. I, I don't understand it myself. I mean, some ads are are directed to me based upon something I just searched for, and other ads are like it maybe in what was that. Um, that uh, software program called that uh, people were playing Second Life or something like that. Mm, um, could fly around buildings or whatever. Maybe that's my Second Life profile that they're they're aiming for. I don't know. Yeah, uh, we talked a Second Life profile. If I a did, few, a few weeks ago we talked about the fact that it's a little bit comforting that artificial intelligence really doesn't understand us very well, and it still is comforting. Um, and I really, I, I joked about it last week. I, I think I probably will be deleting Twitter soon, or at least my own personal account, and just staying with whatever we need to do for 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 this account. But, and by the way, you did notice I we there was some active tweeting on the Make It Better. Uh, both you and I were working hard the last week uh, trying to actually produce content on the Make It Better uh, uh, Twitter account, right? Yeah, uh, let's make it bet B E T T. There was some activity. So if you want to follow some good activity, go somewhere else. But if you want to follow us, go to Let's Make It Bet, B-E-T-T. Well, this isn't even a question right now of would you please. This is a question of, for God's sakes, make it worth my while. Uh, we, we, we don't want to do this. We're doing this for you people. So please go ahead and follow us. So thanks for throwing that out. Yeah, Let's Make It Bet 2 at uh, on the Twitter. And then uh, if you want to send us feedback question a note or a voice memo from your phone uh hit us up at make it better notes m-a-k-e-i-t-b-e-t-t-e-r-n-o-t-e-s at gmail.com uh, we read everything that comes in right now it doesn't take us very long and uh if uh we like what you've sent or if you send us a voice memo and we like how it sounds we very well may play it or feature it here on this podcast and if nothing else we'd appreciate the feedback and the extra notes for sure. So this was a pretty crappy week. I'm just going to say that out loud. I, I, I uh, in my years on this planet, we've seen a lot of weird stuff from 9-11, uh, you know, Columbine, uh, the space shuttle blowing up a couple of times. There's been some weird uh, and monumental events, uh, uh, tragic, tragic events that have really sort of I don't know what changed your per, per perception of what a year or a decade or a month or a time frame has meant. This certainly was one of those. This was a weird week that I think we're going to remember for a while. For sure. Yeah. It, it's in our time, this is unprecedented. What, what has just happened? This is crazy, crazy. Yeah. And it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you sit on. It's not. So if, if you're on one side, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that's happening over there. And if you're on the other side, it's like, I can't believe that side's doing that. Uh, it, you know, from both ends, it's like, what is going on right now? Yeah, and the dissonance is, is deafening. If, you're, if you go on the Twitter, um, the claims, the, the thought process of certain people in terms of, well, you know, what would, what would this have been like if this group would have done this or if this group would have done that and vice versa? Um, you know, the echo chambers well, uh, are definitely at full volume, aren't they? Well, they are to a point, but I think that that's being um, uh, dialed back a little bit now by Twitter, Google, Apple. They're saying 
it has to follow our standards or it doesn't go on here. Um, and so again, unprecedented times, we're having free speech being suppressed or censored. Um, I, I can't fathom it. I can't fathom the fact that we have a constitution that says you were granted these rights and here we are saying, eh, maybe you're not. So I struggle with that a lot because it's, it's, it's layered, right? Um, and I'm not, a, I'm not a lawyer, believe me. Don't even play one on TV. But the, you can't yell fire in a movie theater, right? Um, you can't you know, scream racial epithets in a restaurant, right? You can be asked to leave. Those are private businesses, right? And there's a, there's a, you know, a, a certain amount of, of latitude that a private business has to kick you out if you're being a jackass. And, you know, the, the internet and these social media outlets, I think, have the same sort of description, right? They're private businesses that allow people to utilize those services. It happens to be for free, which gives us the, um, the idea that these things are public form, like they're the town square, but they're just free. They're not necessarily public spaces. Um, that being said, almost like common law, we've elevated things like Twitter and Facebook and, and the like as viable news outlets. Um, our president certainly is very active or used to be on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> our, our media is quoting tweets uh, instead of press releases. Um, we're actively getting our news from Twitter because it's a good vehicle for uh, speedy dissemination of information. But, and as I understand it, there's also been some tax and telecommunication uh, observations given to these companies that, again, is the government adding perhaps more power to these groups than they maybe should have had. I mean, generally speaking, you know, it's kind of like you built a website, you allow people to publicly post things to it, and now is that free speech or are you allowed to delete stuff off of it? So I kind of go both ways on this. Unfortunately, again, we've elevated Twitter to the point where I guess it is the same as a newspaper. It is the same as yelling in the town square. Um, that saddens me a lot uh, because it's, it's a cesspool um, and it really shouldn't be where you get your news from. But, but you're right. The fact that we censor and that censorship now is, is tantamount to if the government censored you because that is, that is really now a vehicle by which people get their information is pretty disturbing disturbing and startling. It is. Um, I look at it as if you're being traded publicly, you're no longer a private company. Um, so you, you have to follow the, the public rules, if you will. And the public rules are the Constitution of the United States. So can you condemn, you can condemn speech, can you censor speech on those platforms? I think as a publicly traded company, no, you no longer can, unless it is yelling fire in the movie theater. Who determines that? Who gets to, to pick and choose what that is, what the equivalent is? And I think that's the point where, we're at, where we are at. Um, that needs to be defined. Who says that's incending violence? Who yeah, makes I'm, that judgment? I don't want to go down um, a rabbit hole. I mean, Target's a, a publicly traded company, and I can't run into Target and scream some of the things that I'm allowed to tweet. Um, but but I, I understand your point, right? And and that's the world we live in right now. Um, 
and maybe the, the scariest part is we've elevated Twitter to be like the public square, but yet at the same time, it's a private company. So they get to do what they want. So they sort of do have this, um, they have this totalitarian, I guess, or, or I guess you could say fascist even um, uh, capability in the sense that they get to filter things in and out of their, in and out of their, uh, in and out of their servers that if it were again in the town square, we wouldn't, we wouldn't allow that, right? We wouldn't say that somebody is allowed, has to be stifled or somebody could be gagged um, from, from speaking. It's a scary time because there are these blurry areas, these gray areas for, you know, what, is, what does it really mean? Why is Twitter, why is Twitter so important? Um, I, that, that still bothers me. Um, Twitter should not be important. I don't like the fact, again, that the news media puts tweets up on the screen. That's not news. It's, it's social media. It's not news. It's, it's a YouTube video in text. Um, that should not elevate itself to a news story. It should be interesting information that's out there in the public square that you still need to, vet, you still need to actually refine, curate, and then repackage and present as a news story not just not just regurgitate these tweets. I just don't I just don't like it. And that's that's first and foremost, any 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 censorship that goes on there, I'm like, well yeah, but first and foremost, who cares? It's that. That shouldn't be that important anyway. It should be the oh by the way. So I have this right. great news article. Oh by the way, they also said this. Yeah. Um, instead of being the the story. Yeah. I I have been bothered for the last four years, you know, regardless of what anybody thinks about our current president. I don't like the fact that he has been as casual and as open on Twitter as he has been. I just, I think there should be a difference between the rank and file person and uh, your leaders. Uh, I really believe that. I, I'm a big believer in there that it's okay that there's an executive washroom. Um, I'm a big believer that it's okay that the CEO has a different parking spot. Um, I look at those things as uh, I want those people to appear to be better than me. I want those people to look like they're in a, a different status than me because I want to strive to be better. I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and condemn someone because they're better than me. I don't want to think that they have to be a populist and be just like one of the guys. Well, what, what good is that? What does that good be, give me to strive for? And so the idea that, you know, our elected leaders and our, our journalists and that sort of thing, those people that we look for, for leadership or for information are just swimming in the same stuff that we are every day. I, I, I don't need that. That's not valuable to me. So get I was it. actually, I get go it. ahead, go ahead, go ahead. That was it. I get it. I understand where you're coming from. I was, um, I was thinking a little bit about, um, you know, last week we talked about politicians and Congress and we, we had a hard time actually fine tuning in on Congress in general, because we, we weren't going to do a full government episode because that's just way too broad, right? You just, you just can't. There's just too much going on there in too many different directions. And so we try to do Congress. At the end of the day, it ended up really being about politicians, um, who, of course, are certainly what Congress, Congress really has become. Um, politicians and the dumb things that they say. Yeah, well, and, it, and it's, in, it's irreparable, in, in, inseparable, right? Unseparable? Is that a word? Sure. If it's not, make it up. Yeah, what the hell? This care. is the internet. I can say whatever I want. It's the internet until they until they censor me. Uh, it's right. it's yep. yeah. It's it's you can't. This is now about the person more than it is about. If this is if this last, you know, election has told us anything, 
you know, this is about who the person is more than the policy or vice versa. It's about the policy and I'll vote for the person and hold my nose, right? Whatever, whatever it ends up being. And that's true of both sides of the spectrum. Um, but I was, I was thinking a lot about how do we solve our problems? And one of the, one of the things, especially in this last week um, that struck me again is um, I, I will sometimes be made fun of for, for having naive thoughts about how to solve problems. But really when you have as complex a problem as this, if you present a simple solution, I think people tend to say, oh, that's naive, that's too stupid, that's too simple, even though the simple answer is the right one. And I really think this is the right answer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw this at you in the last few minutes we have in our first segment here. For my answer for how we solve this 50-50 uh, split in the company, country, excuse me, how we solve this, um, what appears to be this immediate uh, 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 liberty that people seem to have that they're going to attack uh, and burn down buildings, whether it's the state capitol or, or a hardware store. And uh, here's my simple answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. My, my simple answer is this. Be kind. Uh, that's naive. But if you actually start to strip things back, um, if, if you are kind, it immediately lends itself to the idea of accountability and responsibility, personal accountability and responsibility. And here's what, here, here's what I mean. If, if, if you're kind, you're not going to abandon your kids as a dad or a mom, right? And, and have a single parent or a deadbeat dad type household where these kids grow up to their themselves not learn to be kind and, and commit crimes and all the things that we know come from broken homes. If, if you're kind, you're not going to be a cop who commits police brutality or who abuses their, their position. And if certainly if you're kind, you're not going to be a criminal. You're not going to be somebody who steals from someone else. You're not going to be someone who, who, who abuses or, or attacks uh, someone else. If, if you're kind, you're not going to be a politician who, uh, you know, uh, steals power from the mouths of the people you're trying to be a representative for. And as simple as that is, it is, the, it is the easiest and most achievable solution to this problem. Because nobody who was truly kind would storm the Capitol steps. And by the way, um, if you burn down a hardware store this summer, I think you should go to jail. If you attack the Capitol, I think you're treasonous. Uh, I have absolutely no sympathy whatsoever for people who attach, attack the Capitol. To my, my, in my view, um, I won't say it's worse. I don't think we should need to talk in those terms, but I think it's pretty darn serious uh, when you when you storm the Capitol. So from from that perspective, uh, you know, this is a very serious thing. But again, if you're kind, you can still protest. If you're kind, you can still be involved in things that you're passionate about. And that's that's actually an important uh, distinction to draw here. There's a difference between love and kindness too. Um, there are a lot of people who have love in their in their heart and in their brain that is wrapped in passion that drives them to do things that are unkind, whether it's to their spouse, whether it's to someone else, whether it's a love to an ideologically ideology or some sort of an idol that causes them to be unkind to others, whatever it is, right? Um, we see this in business. We see this all over the place. And to me, if, if you're going to, this isn't about right and left. This isn't about the center. This is about human beings becoming 
human again and actually being kind to one another. Um, there's far too much, well, you're on the other side of the aisle, so I can't possibly be nice to you. There's no, you're, you're completely beyond savior, right? You, you're gone. You're, you're on the other side of the aisle. And as a result, uh, you're the enemy. You're to be hated. You can't possibly be redeemed uh, until you completely renounce where you're at. And then, by the way, we've, we've, I think, escalated to the point now where it's not good enough to win. The other side has to lose. So if you're on the other side of the aisle, um, great, come back to me on your knees and tell me that you were wrong. And then I'm going to punish you until I feel like I've, I feel good enough again. Um, that's that passion thing. That's that love of your idol that isn't about being kind. And I guess as I would um, was thinking about this today, I thought, you know, there was an experiment I did about five years ago. And I think it's five years ago because um, when I was telling somebody else about this experiment, I remember I was going to do it for a year and I just kept doing it. And I realized that I had been doing it for several years uh, and had forgotten that it was an experiment anymore. So I think it's four or five years ago that I started this. And it was one of these events where I was at a... Uh, like a McDonald's or a Walmart, whatever, where I came up to the checkout line and something happened with the clerk and I just got angry because I didn't think the clerk treated me properly, right? They didn't say thank you or they didn't try to help me out or whatever else. And we have all of these hierarchies in our world that are real, right? We have natural hierarchies that, that, that exist. And some days I'm on the upper side of the hierarchy, some days I'm on the lower side of the hierarchy. And when you go into a store, you go into a restaurant, you go on an airplane, uh, the the attendant who comes to to help you or the server or whatever, really their their job is to subordinate to you, right? They're, they're your server, right? Can I help you? And your job is to you know be kind to them, by the way, and actually you know accept that and be be nice back to them. Well, we're starting to see a breakdown in that, especially when you're looking at WalMarts and McDonald's, and it was very frustrating. So at one point, I decided, you know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to treat kind of like a New Year's resolution. I'm going to treat all of these experiences uh, where I talk to the person and I treat them exactly like an equal and not thinking that anything would, would come back other than that they would at least be polite to me. I said, you know what, this is going to be one of these cases where whatever, whatever they do is on them. Here's what I'm going to do. And so I did that and something remarkable happened. I would go up to these people and in some cases they'd be really grumpy. I could tell that they were one of those people who was shut off to the world, probably having a bad day. And I would just treat them as an equal, not pandering, not, again, not, not trying to be their servant in that sense, but just try to be an equal. And to a one in every case, that natural hierarchy suddenly was put into effect. If, if, if I treated them as an equal and I was the customer, they would suddenly treat me as a superior. And my job, by the way, was not to then immediately turn and start treating them like a subordinate. Because my point was, I treated them like an equal. They treated me like a superior, which means, you know, I got better service. I, I got a polite person that I was talking to. In some cases, I got actually a more positive experience, maybe even a little extra service than, than I would have otherwise. And I kept doing that. And you know what? Certainly, once in a while, I would run into a situation where someone would not reciprocate. And then I had such peace. I wouldn't leave and go into my truck and think, God, I hate that person. I would just let it go because I know that person is beyond, right? That person has got other things going on in their life they can't deal with. And it started to strike me that that was true with employers and employees. Uh, and it works in both directions. So if, if I'm an employee and I go to my boss, 
uh, or if I'm an, I should say, I'll start this way. If I'm an, if I'm a, a supervisor and I go to one of my employees uh, and I treat them as an equal, it is interesting how quickly they treat me as a superior. And then the same is true also, by the way, if I treat my boss as a superior, how quickly they treat me as an equal. All of that seems to be rooted in kindness. And that is what is missing in Twitter. That is what is missing on Facebook. That is what is missing on network news. That's what is missing in sports. It's what's missing everywhere. And the only way to solve the problems that we're having is if rather than in Twitter and in Facebook and in the news, we in everyday life in the grocery store, whatever else, we just started treating people with kindness. That, that's the only solution for this. Uh, the, the officials, the pol politicians, the big engine that exists out there, the media, they all thrive off the idea that we're not going to be kind to one another. The only way we're going to get out of this is to start being kind. So that's my big idea. Uh, naive as it may be, it's the cheapest and probably the most likely to work. Shoot the holes in it. I, I dare you. I have no holes. I just wish that there was a book that told us how to be kind to one another. Gee, wouldn't that be nice? how to love our neighbor. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be, be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? If only it was translated in a few languages too, right? Yes, yes. If it was in several different languages to make sure that we touched on, you know, every culture in the world, um, that'd be great. It's too bad that book isn't out there somewhere easily accessible. Yeah, it really is. Um, these aren't new problems, are they? They aren't new, they aren't new solutions either. And that's the thing. I think some people want to ignore what the, probably the right solution actually is because it just can't possibly be that. There has to be a better solution. All right, that's segment number one. That didn't take very long. No news this week. Uh, we're going to just keep rolling on here. We will be back. We're going to talk about beer this week. Thank goodness. So last week I is over. Beer. Governmental problems are over, at least in terms of what we're going to talk about. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about beer. We'll see you in a couple minutes. Homer Simpson likes beer. Did you know that? Beer, yes he does, Duff beer. I remember right, didn't uh, Benjamin Franklin have a, uh, a beer quote? In fact, I'm Googling it now, it is, beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. That was Benjamin Franklin's <laughs> quote uh, about beer. And uh, ben, ben Franklin knew did, a thing or did, two. Did he tweet that? I think he did. There's enough. There's there's few enough characters that uh, that he could have done that. And the thing is, it would have been a kind tweet too, because there's nothing about that tweet that's even angry. It's not even nothing angry at all. Yeah, that's nothing that's by the way, they make it better. Uh, Twitter feed. I am endeavoring, and you are endeavoring to make sure that there's not a lot of anger in the uh, make it better Twitter feed because it doesn't need to be. Uh, and this would be one that would fit in there. Beer is proof that God loves us and wants to make us happy. Have you ever had a moment in which beer was a part of something that was sad? 
Um, just my mother's alcoholism. But other than that, no, <laughs> beer has been a happy experience <laughs> all my life. Oh, this took a turn. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. Let's that's, not go down that road. We won't go down that road. Don't worry yeah, about that. Yeah, that, that's one that probably doesn't. That's that's a little bit different than uh, than uh, the Griswolds sitting on the uh, the side of the, the desert doing there, sharing a beer between father and son. Uh, most of the time, let's put it that way, most of the time, uh, beer is one of the things, I think when you think about um, uh, the, the person who's in a sad place, who's sitting in a quiet, dark room, you know, by themselves, they're drinking scotch, or they're drinking wine, or they're drinking uh, uh, vodka. Um, you know, usually beer, we would align, I think, to more uh, pedestrian, blue-collar, social events right the football game the backyard barbecue uh that sort of thing right i mean certainly people abuse it you just touched on that but beyond that i mean i think beer is much more of a of a social kind of casual uh, communal thing right it's a social we're having fun we're gonna have a good time we may yell a little bit because we're excited about something time yeah so to your point then, and I think that's an important one, does beer sometimes get seen as not dangerous? Um, does it get seen as not dangerous? In other yes, words, it, it, yeah. it, I've only had three beers and then someone gets exactly. behind the wheel and, you know, takes out a car and whatever else. So yes, it is, you know, I've only had... Um, you think about somebody who downs a bottle of scotch or whiskey or whatever. Oh, that person's really drunk. But yet it's nothing for a person to have a six pack of beer. Um, when in reality, it is. It's just as much as that bottle of, of whiskey that someone someone poured down their gullet. So beer is dangerous. But yeah, it's uh, people view it as benign. That's exactly what I was thinking. Um, and it's a good point. If you walked up to me at a, at a barbecue on a Saturday afternoon and I was sitting in my bag chair and there was an empty bottle of Johnny Walker whiskey underneath my chair, kind of laying on its side. I think you'd have a, a you'd have a, a, an askew look on your face. But if I had six cans of uh, old Milwaukee laying on, on uh, underneath my, my chair, I think you probably would have the same sort of look on your face. Right. I mean, I think there's this, this idea that, well, it's just beer, right? It's just beer. Right. Maybe he's going to get loud, but it's not, it's not like he has a quote unquote problem. Right. Right. And I don't know that, I don't know that beer needs to be that way. We opened up with, uh, with Lawrence Welk and the beer barrel polka. Right. I mean, I think for the most part, beer is um, what we would see as, you know, when you look at cigars and cigarettes and pipes and, and that sort of thing, uh, is there an analogy that would draw beer and whiskey and vodka alongside those sort of smoked things, right? We, because people who smoke cigarettes every day, there's a difference between a person who has a smoke and someone who smokes a lot. Uh, there's a difference between someone who has a, a beer uh, or, or a couple of beers at a, at a bar, at a party or at home, and someone who is a, a heavy beer drinker, right? Is there, can you draw any analogies between uh, alcohol in general and whether it's cigarette smoke or some other bad habit? Um, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the pipe. 
you know, you, you, Ward Cleaver, I don't know if Ward Cleaver had a pipe, but the dad from My Three Sons definitely had a pipe. You know, he'd sit mm -hmm. back and, and smoke on his pipe. He looked wise. He didn't look like he had an addiction of any sort. He just, he looked, looked wise and authoritative. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the pipe is kind of like beer. It's, it's okay. Um, where cigarettes, you're like, oh, smoker, what, didn't you learn anything in high school? Um, so uh, different connotations for the different vices, even though they're basically the same at their root, right? With the and cigarettes, it's nicotine, with the beer, or, or whatever, the elk. You know, as vices go, beer is one of those that doesn't really have a... Um, an olfactory problem, right? Unless you spill it on yourself or you drink so much, maybe you have a bathroom problem. For the most part, you know, cigarettes, if you smoke, you know, two or three cigarettes a day, your clothes probably smell like smoke, right? Your 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 skin probably smells or has that kind of greasy feel to it. Uh, you know, other than the beer belly, you don't necessarily have that same sort of reaction with beer, right? It, it, it I guess maybe what I'm getting at is, is, is is beer kind of the low impact addiction slash vice uh, versus some of the others that, it, that we're used to? I think so. I think so. I, I know plenty of functioning alcoholics that their, their vice is beer, but because it's beer, you don't really think about it as a huge problem. Um, so yeah, I, I do think it's, it's a problem, but it's a problem that is overlooked. It gets so, us. Yeah, it does, right? I mean, I think I think we look at it. Is it is it because it's in a can? I mean, is it because it's such low alcohol? What what do you, why do you think that is? Is it just stereotypical? Is it part of our our social culture that yeah, like you said, you can sit down and drink six beers and nobody thinks anything of it. Uh, if you have six scotches or if you drink an entire bottle of wine by yourself, um, you know, I, I granted the alcohol is different. I, I get all that. I'm really just looking at the perception. Uh, I think people see it differently, right? I, I, it has to be just, I don't know. Is, is it just the perspective we have over it? That's readily available. You can get it in a gas station. Um, think get about it at a grocery the, store. The, yep, Absolutely. Think about all the festivals that revolve around beer right now. So, um, you know, Oktoberfest is a big one. Um, so, you know, beer everywhere at Oktoberfest. Uh, Shell's Brewery has Bachfest, um, Bavarian Fest, or Bavarian Blast, whatever you want to call it. That there are celebrations, and the whole theme is beer. Come drink our beer. Come to all these different bars and drink our beer. Uh, pub crawls. Pub crawls usually revolve around beer. It's not come drink our whiskey. It's like, we'll have all these beers on tap. So I, I think that we're just fed the idea of beer so much that it, it's become benign. Yeah, I, I just, if, if I close my eyes you, and I think about, and again, you're going to quote your mother, but if I, if I close, my, close my eyes and I think about every time I would picture beer, I'm picturing like, beer steins at an Oktoberfest like you threw out, right? And people, you know, standing up and, and clanking them and singing songs. I'm going to think about, uh, you know, people at a ball game, you know, drinking beer as a part of another exercise. It, it, it is not the same as we would see hard liquor, right? We, 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 we've, we've aligned beer to be culturally this, um, 
just this this ease of entry, socially acceptable. Um, it's a fun drunk, I guess I'll put it that way. You're a fun drunk if you're if you're if you're if you're beer drunk, versus somebody who might be you know uh, uh, having an issue with hard liquor or or just have drunk too much hard liquor. I I can't think of another. I can't think of another traditional alcohol that would follow that because wine doesn't wine is something you drink at dinner, right? Wine is something you drink while you're, while you're sitting around the table talking to someone um, much different than, than, than beer. Beer just has its own special place in our culture. Absolutely. Although yeah. wine coolers, you're the guy on the beach looking for a good time, you know, get yourself a Seagram's. Um, but yeah, you're right. Beer, beer does have its, its own place. Wine, wine coolers are just really people who don't want to drink, but feel they have to, aren't they? I mean, they're, or people who, who want to drink, but are afraid to, uh, they're, they're, they're like Kool-Aid with alcohol in it. Um, they're not really, yeah. it's, alcohol. Your, it's your gateway alcohol. It yeah. really is. Like, yeah, no, it's one step up of juice, juice with alcohol I can handle, you know, and then maybe one day I'll switch to something like beer. Yeah, I don't want to have a, I don't want to put a Band-Aid on this paper cut, so I'm going to use scotch tape and a paper towel. That's kind of what a Bartles and James seems like to me. I'm not really going to have booze. I don't want to be seen drinking booze, so I'm just going to do this, and I perceive for some reason that that's, that that's better. I was looking at some quotes here while we were talking about this. Ray Bradbury, uh, who's the sci-fi author, um, he said that beer is an intellectual thing. Uh, and he then further continued to say, what a shame that so many idiots drink it. Uh, beer kind of is intellectual now. We've got uh, in, incredibly complex flavors, these micro brews uh, that are starting to be produced that have peanut flavors and coffee flavors and certainly a lot of fruit and citrus and just all across the board. Um, you, it's almost like cigars in that sense. And maybe that's, that, that maybe is the taste, place to take this. When I talked about smoking and booze, uh, the difference between the cigar and the pipe and the cigarette is almost the difference between beer and, and whiskey or beer and vodka in the sense that now beer, much like a fine cigar or a fine, you know, pack of tobacco, um, you know, you can sit and twist your mustache and talk for 25 minutes about, you know, how your beer was brewed and, and the, the, just, just like you could if you were a sommelier with wine, right? This, this is where beer has started to, to mature, if you will, and become this more intellectual thing beyond just, you know, the, the can of suds uh, that you're going to slam down between innings at a baseball game. For sure. Um, yeah, I I have nothing to add. You nailed it. So I, I was also looking, even, even I'm Lutheran, even Martin Luther has a quote on beer. Uh, he said that whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. And whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. This is brilliant, right? So if you, basically what he's saying is if you drink, get yourself so drunk that you pass out, well, it's better than being awake and sinning. So you'll go to heaven. That's brilliant. Um, I can see why he founded <laughs> an entire an entire religion with that sort of logic, right? That makes perfect sense, doesn't it? I knew I liked this Luther guy for a reason. That's that's good stuff right there. Yeah, we Lutherans like our beer. I don't I don't know if you noticed that or not, but uh, we're we're a okay with that. Abraham Lincoln had some things to say about beer too. He said, "I'm a firm believer in the people." 
If given the truth, they can be depended upon to meet any national crisis. The great point is to bring them the real facts and beer. So he, he was, and this is true, this is one of the things that actually kind of uh, piqued my interest is beer as a currency. Um, how many times did you move in which the payment was beer? Every time. Yeah, and how many times Every did time. you have something done around your house in which the payment was a 12 pack or the thank you was a 12 pack or the, you know, the, you know, the way you were cordial to a new neighbor was to throw them a, tw a can of beer or a, or a bottle of your, you know, your favorite stash. Beer really is uh, an olive branch. It's a, it's a sign of, as I said, currency. Uh, there's, there's a lot to be said for the, for the gap that beer fills in our, in our uh, society. There was a time uh, where I was in a large city um, and two of the council members weren't getting along. Was this Tacoma, and Washington? No. Was it Albuquerque, New what? Mexico? No, I was in Minnesota. It was in Minnesota. <laughs> We're just going to keep guessing but, cities. Go yeah, ahead. I will, I will um, guess every large city in Minnesota. I won't. I promise. Two of the council members weren't getting along and I was kind of caught in the middle of it and I said you know what let's go to the pub and we'll have a beer and we'll talk about it and it was known as the beer summit it actually caught on people were interested in the beer summit because two of these local politicians couldn't work out their issues but all of a sudden there was beer involved and it's like all right we'll sit down and we'll chat about it instead of being at each other's throats it worked amazing so beer has a place you know you're you're right um, it's conciliatory. Now, granted, I think, you know, the, the pessimist amongst us would say, well, it's, you're just medicating people, right? You're medicating and they're losing their inhibitions. They're, they're losing their edge, whatever that might be. But I think it's different. You know, I'm famous that if I drink red wine, I get angry. I don't know what it is. There's something about red wine that makes me mad. And I, and I'm, it's like when you're awake in a dream, I know why I'm mad. I, 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 it's the wine I drink, and I just I, and I can control that, and know not to drink red wine, uh, or at least that flavor. Uh, but you know, people get drunk and angry with with hard liquor. It seems to me worse than they do with beer. Now, eventually, everybody gets to a point where they just become belligerent and a drunk. Right? Doesn't matter what you started with, but. You know, it tends to be you can sit down and have a couple of beers, and most people still will you know, be, be social and be, you know, be kind to, 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 to pile on from my per previous points. Um, but they're not going to necessarily get angry as quickly as say, if you sat down and, you know, popped open a bottle of Jameson and started doing shots or jello shots or whatever else you might, might do at, at the bar. I would, I would agree with that. It is something that definitely is an olive branch and um, people use accordingly. Dave yeah. Barry. What is the jello shot anyway? Like I I thought maybe I'd like to puke tonight, so I'll have a couple of these. Well, okay, so I'm I have sorry, a thought. On topic. That. No, 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 no. I have a thought. No, you're right on topic because I have a thought on that. Um, why is it beer is one of the only things I can think of with very rare exceptions. There's one or two exceptions that I know this exists, but with very, very rare exception, do you mix it with anything? Um, or where you hide it inside something else. So like, 
you know, certainly with hard liquor, we, we mix hard liquor all the time, right? With all kinds of different things to create different kinds of tastes. The martini, right, is, has been, and maybe, maybe, maybe the martini is a good uh, simile here because the martini, you've got the apple teenies, you've got all these different martini flavors now. Uh, and beer has maybe matured to that because again, with the micro brews, the very specialty brews, uh, you can sit down and have a beer that tastes like a peanut butter sandwich if you want. I don't know why you would. People do it. Uh, but you could sit down and do that. Um, so maybe it's ma matured to that point. Um, but for the most part, beer is its own category and stays that way versus a lot of the other things you can order at a bar that are um, a, a bit more malleable, if you will. Beer stands on its own because it's delicious and good for you. Beer is the only thing part of that. Bar. Beer is the only thing at the bar that seems to be able to keep its head. Pardon the pun, or maybe ah. don't pardon the pun. That was entirely intentional. All right, segment number two. I don't know if we found anything wrong with beer to make better, but um, there's maybe one or two things to make better about beer. We'll find out here in the next segment. Make a better podcast. See you in a minute. I got a couple more quotes on beer that I thought were kind of interesting and I'll throw out for you if you are uh, amenable to that sort of thing. Do you uh, know Dave Barry? The, uh, Dave Barry, the uh, author, humorist, writer, etc., etc. No. He said that uh, without question, the greatest invention in the history of mankind is beer. And he said, oh, I grant you that the wheel was also a fine invention, but the wheel does not nearly go as well with pizza, uh, which perhaps is the most obvious of the quotes I could have read. But uh, it, it, I, I think actually there's a little bit, obviously he meant that as a joke, right? But in truth, um, what, what has impacted people more uh, across generations. I mean, how many people have had their first taste of alcohol be a beer? How many people after mowing the lawn universally grab a beer? How many people go to a ball game and order a beer? How many people go to a, uh, you know, a, after a funeral, for goodness sakes, uh, want to just go have a beer? How many people sit at the end of their driveway and want to have a beer, right? I mean, there's, and at the end of the day, this is very much a, a, uh, a, a a part of our culture that knits us together, like very little else. There's very little else I think you could point at uh, that, that other than maybe popcorn at the movies that is more American, more natural, and more, more congruent across us all than the beer. Am I wrong, sir? You're not wrong at all. Um, and, and you said, you know, it's kind of a national treasure. It's not just national, it's throughout the world. I mean, it, you know, IPAs come from uh, the, the Englishmen going from England to India uh, to do their trading. They needed a beer that would um, kind of stick around for that trip. And, and they came up with the IPA. It, it's, it's worldwide. Where, where can you go and not find beer? Uh, very few places. Uh, if you travel and you go to an airport, you'll undoubtedly find people sitting at the airport bar drinking a beer. If I, as I said, any sporting event. Um, and, and that's, you know, maybe a, a question of convenience, but any sporting event you go to, uh, the majority of people, if they're not drinking a soda or a water, it's going to be a beer. Uh, if you're, if you go to a state fair, uh, anywhere that 
that people can consume alcohol, I would bet a double digit percentage and maybe a majority percentage of those people uh, are going to be drinking uh, a, a beer. So here's a question for you. If you go to a super fancy restaurant, do you feel any guilt if you order a beer, uh, especially if it's like a, a special occasion? Or do you feel as though, you know, I can't be seen ordering a, a beer here. I, I should really order a, a, a wine or I should, uh, I should order a Manhattan or I should order something like that. Do you feel any kind of pressure to not order something pedestrian like a beer? Uh, I don't feel that pressure, but I will tell you that it will step up my game. Um, I'm not going to, you know, get the Budweiser when I'm out at a fancy restaurant. Mm. I'll probably get a new castle something along those lines, step it up a little bit, just so I don't look like a common thug sitting at the end of a bar. Yeah, I, you're absolutely right. Because I think if I was at a fancy restaurant, I would not order a McGolden light, right? That's, that's one number one. Right. And I prob- yeah, and I probably wouldn't, you know, at the, um, probably wouldn't have 12 of them either, right? I'd probably have something like something thick, like an IPA that you could sip on uh, and enjoy. Uh, are you intimidated by the beer list at a uh, at a restaurant now? Some of these beer lists are an eight by eleven sheet of paper, three columns, and two sided, and and you know, twelve font. Uh, are you intimidated by that to find just the right thing? Only time I'm intimidated is when the names make no sense to me, uh, and then I have to ask, well, what is this? Um, there, there have been some strange names. There's a brewery locally here that uh, all of the beers are named after songs from their favorite music band. And that just doesn't make any sense to me. So Pudgy Flat Bottom, I think, is one of them that I was yeah. drinking that I really enjoyed. It turns out it was a brown ale, um, which I like brown ales. Uh, but I want to know on that if I didn't have to ask the question. Yeah, and I, I should you feel guilty when you're at one of those places and ask for a sample? I always feel guilty because I feel like, gosh, you know, why make the waitress run back and forth? Why, why, why dirty another glass? Why don't I just take a chance? But be, be, you know, be bold. Go ahead and just order it and deal with it. Drink 12 ounces. It's not going to kill you. But I know there's stuff I just really don't like, and I hate to waste my money, waste my time, waste the calories, waste the alcohol on something I hate. Do you, do you ever feel guilty when you order a sample? I'm not a microbrewer. I can't speak for them. But in my head, I'm thinking they would rather have you find something you enjoy and order more of it than having one you don't like and saying, I'm never going back to that brewery. So I think samples are a good thing. Now, what I would try to do if I'm being conscientious, conscientious yeah, I've had a couple of beers. Um, if I'm thinking about the waitress and her having or waiter having to go back and forth, uh, maybe I'll order three samples at once. Like, you know what, I really want to try these three. Or maybe I'll get a flight. A flight is like, you know, them selling a beer and they probably even make a little more money off of that. So that gives you an opportunity to sample. So make one trip, not three, until I figure out the beer that I want. Just bring me a bunch and then I'll decide. I was going to go there next. I think the beer flight, uh, you know, and this is true, by the way, wine flights, whiskey flights, anywhere you can get the flight, that's a good idea, right? I, I, I like the flight idea. They're usually smaller glasses. You get four or five of them, not economical by any means, but it's a good way to sample and to, to learn a little something. But, but you do got to make note of what you drank, right? You, gotta, you can't just go, oh, I didn't like that one. You, you do got to make note of it and say, okay, I like this style. I'll order that style again. 
Absolutely. Um, and another thing that, that's nice about the flight, um, you get to, to find what you like, but they don't put fruit in the flights. Fruit, fruit might come in a big glass, but it doesn't come in the flight. I don't like fruit in my beer. I don't either. I hate you and I both have that in common. I cannot stand it. When you put fruit in my beer, I take it out. And the moment you bring it, I usually ask you not to put it in there. And I I've, I don't like citrusy typed beer anyway. Uh, that tastes, it tastes a little bit to me always like someone washed my beer with, with like Dawn soap, lemon flavored Dawn soap and didn't get all the suds <laughs> out. Uh, I don't like it. You know, here's, the, you know, the other thing with me is no matter where I go, I order the same thing all the time, right? Food, because I don't like to be disappointed. And if I really like that, you know, particular entree or whatever, I typically order the same thing when I go there. Uh, but I really work hard if I go out, like you said, if I go out, I, you know, you try to do a little better with what you order. If I travel, I try to order something local as best I can uh, and as much as I can to try something different, which is really weird for me considering the fact that, again, I'm, I'm a creature of habit. Uh, but that's some of my best experiences is actually trying a local beer. And I think for, for a guy who's not very adventurous, beer is beer, number one. Uh, but then when you can go somewhere and get a particular twist on beer, um, and it's not like it's not like going somewhere and ordering somebody's specific take on mac and cheese, you know, where you're going to get avocados and, and chunks of raisins in your mac and cheese and, and wish you hadn't ordered it. Typically, it's, it's going to be, you know, a variant of something you already like. I, I really enjoy that a lot when I travel is just getting something that's unique to the area. Yeah, I, I think you should do that. I mean, not, not all beer is created equal. Even uh, locally, so I think about the state of Minnesota, I, I cannot stand beers from a brewery in Waconia. I don't know what it is about them. I don't like them. There's a brewery in Jordan, Minnesota, that there's something, something with the water that they're using because it's in every one of their beers. It has, to me, a very metallic-y aftertaste. Um, I'm not a fan of it, uh, but yet there are breweries within a few miles of those that have delicious beer. So every brewer has their own twist. Water doesn't taste the same in Colorado as it does in Minnesota. So when you're on the road, when you're traveling, definitely try the local beers um, because you could get uh, experience a flavor that you haven't before. Yeah, there's a beer um, north of here um, that's sort of a cousin to like Heineken, I guess I would say. Uh, but we always re used to refer to it as squirrel piss uh, because that's sort of what it tastes, sort of what it, what you would imagine it would taste like. Uh, and you know, it's, it's a beer that stays in business. Certain people like it. It's a, I don't know if it's an acquired taste. It's just not a taste that matches my palate. And that's, that's okay, by the way, I just don't have to buy it. And you'll notice I'm not dropping the name of it <laughs> because you might like it. You may not call it uh, squirrel excretion. Uh, like, like we, we, often have. Hey, you know what? Let's take a little break from beer for a second. Um, and, and by the way, how do you make beer better? You don't. Uh, you stop drinking at a certain point in time so you can drive safely. Uh, you don't uh, have it alter your personality. You make sure you can manage it and control it. And you use it as a, just another way of enjoying life. That's what you, how you make beer better. Uh, and then, my God, what they're doing with microbreweries uh, there, there are a lot of people trying to make beer better already, aren't they? This is, this are, there is a lot of uh, investigation and science going on in beer right now. I don't know that we need to waste many cycles on it. People are working on it. We got scientists on the job, right? 
yeah, there, there's a ton and it's, it's become artistry. It's not just, we're going to produce some beer. We're going to, we're going to be artists about this artisans, if you will, and, and make a good quality beer that people want to keep coming back for. Now, the problem with that is that usually those end up being seasonal and you can't get them all the time. And that's very disappointing for me, but uh, they roll out another great one uh, the next season. So um, doing fantastic jobs. And um, I appreciate um, our local legislatures just saying, hey, we need to open it up for these people to do business because they're doing good things here. Well, speaking of artistry, uh, as we kick into our final part of the segment, which I'm going to throw to you here in a second, let me uh, give a big shout out once again to Mark Wine, who is giving us our music uh, for her Don't Pay, Take the Bait uh, liner that starts our show and bumps us in and out of our show. We were going to be dropping the This Much I Know uh, instrumental version of the single that we'll be dropping very shortly for Mark here at the end of our program. Big thanks to Mark, great follower of others online and a great supporter of the show in terms of his music. You can go to markalewinemusic.com and you can buy his music for your own productions or your own enjoyment. Uh, highly recommend it. Good guy. Hope to have him on our show in the future uh, and uh, in some uh, dig into actually how he does what he does because I am my wife is a musician. Uh, my daughter is a musician, or at least they are musical. Uh, I can't do it. I can't count in my head. I can't tap my foot at the same time that I'm trying to play. I've been trying to play the guitar for years, and uh, really, uh, I can just make noises on it. I can't make music. So I am incredibly impressed uh, with anyone who has that in their genes. MarkAloanMusic.com. All right, sir. Uh, we are going to end today with a segment that you are going to kick off for us, and I'm going to throw it back to you. Go, go for it. All right. This is new. This is All new. right. I'm ready. I am ready. W would you rather? All right. I'm ready for would, would you, you rather. Would you rather, Chris? I would, would rather. Would you rather, audience? Would you rather the aliens that first make contact be robotic or organic? Mm. I'll let you now, go. Now, by make contact do you mean of the of the third kind where this is like human contact physical contact where they'd actually talking they, to us they are here on earth saying hey how you doing do you want that to be a terminator like robot okay maybe not a terminator like robot but do you want mm. it to be robotic or organic right because your point here isn't is what are the intentions of the aliens Right. We don't know. So all so all things aside, we don't know whether they're friendly. We don't know whether they're foe. We don't know if they are aggressive. We don't know if they are kind. We just know that they're they are mechanized or they're organic or they're biological or right. they're machine. That's what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. I am going to say that I would much rather that they be biological or organic. And here's my thinking. If they are mechanical, it is highly unlikely. All right, let's, let's separate the whole creationism side of this in terms of how a, an organic creature might be created, whether it's evolution or creationism. That's not my point. My point being, I know for sure that if this is a robot, somebody put that robot together which means whatever I'm dealing with right now is a sentry. It is a, it is somebody who has been, it is something who has been sent 
uh, by something else. There's more to this story. There's an origin story beyond this that I'm going to have to eventually deal with. I don't know if I'm going to be dealing with, with anything. What I do know is I'm dealing with a synthetic analog for something else. This is, this is, the, this is the mechanical, uh, this is the digital image of something else, or at least the digital image of something else that they want me to interact with and see. I, I would not want that because it would add a layer of complexity that would make it a lot harder to understand how to deal with them. So as creepy uh, as a 16-legged, 14-eye, gooey alien might be that's organic, I think I would go with the organic one simply because uh, this would be a natural creature, whatever natural means. And even if they are 100 foot tall and uh, oozing goo from every orifice and making lots of cluck cluck sounds that scare me, uh, I would probably rather that it be biological because I would feel like that's a finite end. Like once I conquered that or it conquered me, I would at least understand the nature of it. So that is my answer. I'm gonna go to the other side of that coin. Uh, I think with organic, you don't know entirely what you're dealing with. Is it venomous? Does it bite? Uh, does it have a new strain of COVID? You don't know. Um, so what, what are they bringing to the earth to uh, maybe even accidentally kill us with? I don't like the idea of organic for those reasons. Robotic, you know it's a machine. And we as a, uh, a populace, a, a, a human race, we know how to destroy stuff. So we would know how to break a machine if we had to break it. I think we could take out a machine a lot easier than we could some organic being where we don't even know how it, how it functions other than what we learned from Arnold when he said, if it bleeds, we can kill it. I don't know. I, I, I am going to, well, number one, it's, it's always interesting to me when we do these thought exercises that we both always end up on the opposite side of the spectrum. Uh, and have good arguments for both, because I agree with you. I, I can see that argument that you'd rather you have a much better shot at killing something that's a machine. But don't you think about the fact that something built that machine that you're going to have to kill next? So, in other words, if you fight a mechanized being, aren't you just setting up for the fact that you're going to have to fight the biological being next? And so, therefore, why wouldn't you want to just fight a biological being versus having two battles uh, on your list? Don't disagree, but I don't want another strain of COVID. So I'm going robotic and I will deal with the boss level later. I don't know. I'm gonna have to think about this one a little bit because I'm not sure that I'm, I'm ever gonna come around to your, your way of thinking on this one, but I, uh, I do appreciate it. I respect it and I'm gonna be kind to you because it's your opinion. I appreciate that. I don't, I don't have a problem hey. with that. Maybe we want to get together for a beer and talk about it. Let's get together and have 12 beers because it's socially acceptable and nobody's going to think we're weird if we have 12 empty beer cans under our chair. What do you say? I, I think that's a great idea. All right. I won't, I won't tell anybody that, you know, you had an entire bottle of booze, a uh, bottle of vodka before we actually got together for those 12 cans of beer. <laughs> you don't tell anybody that I had, you know, smoked 12 joints before we got together. And then it'll be fine, yeah. right? You got a pre-beer. You got a pre-beer. You can't you just jump right into it. You got to pregame yep. it. All right. Well, that is the Make It Better podcast for this episode. It was an episode on beer. We like beer. Just like Tom T. Hall said, I like beer. Uh, there's not much to say about beer other than, I don't know, to me, it's interesting. It's, it's cultural, right? It's part of who we are as a people. Uh, if 
if uh, if you were to actually break it apart, break it down of the stuff that we like to do as a group, yeah, some of us have trouble with it. Some of us have bad experiences. Some of us have had it, as much of it come up as it's gone down. But still, oh. part of who we are. Yeah, I know it's been it's happened. It's happened to me. It's happened to you. It's uh, part of who we are. Yeah, unfortunately, sometimes in the same night. That is our story for this week anyway. We will see you in the coming week when we talk about our next topic. Until then, I'm Chris. He's Bob. Make it better. Have a good week. And hey, 2021 is just another week, another year on the calendar, folks. It's up to us to make it better. See you later.